Hello, residents of Meeple Town. This is Dean. This is Darren. And today we're going to be, surprise, surprise, talking about some board games. We're going to be talking about games we're jazzed about. And then we're going to be doing a review of Jerusalem Anno Domini. So thanks for joining us as we seek to create community through board gaming. This is episode 137. Residents of Meeple Town, if you were here right now, you would see Dean wearing his Chunky Wonder t-shirt, <laughs> eating a Chunky candy bar, and some Chunky Dunky Ben & Jerry's ice cream while wearing his quite expensive Chunky Dunky Ben & Jerry's Nike sneakers. I is... only know what one of those things <laughs> is. Which one? The, the Chunky Wonder t-shirt that you had back in high school? Two things, two things. Oh, okay. yes. The Chunky Wonder T-shirt, Chunky. That's a tough one to say. <laughs> chunky Wonder T-shirt and a Chunky Bar, which does not right. exist anymore, right? Does it not? Yeah, I'm I don't sure think it so. Does. I does it? think it does. I looked it up online. You can still buy them. Okay, it, it's yeah. funny enough. I brought this up to you know Darren and I work with college students. Yeah, we're both uh, college ministers, and I brought this up recently within the last two weeks. Have you heard of a, uh, they asked me what my favorite candy was. And I said, my favorite candy is a whatchamacallit candy bar followed by the chunky bar. Nobody mm. knew what the chunky bar is and nobody had ever had a whatchamacallit. So <laughs> I didn't so think funny. those are particularly old things, but Growing especially up, the whatchamacallit. I yeah. I mean, I, I remember the whatchamacallit. I used to eat that a lot as a kid. The chunky, I don't know if I've ever had the chunky bar, but in, in trying to, you know, do some research for this bit. I discovered that there is Chunky Dunky Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Did you know this? What is in Chunky Dunky? Uh, you know, that's a great question because I quickly passed over that because also in that search tab was Chunky Dunky Ben and Jerry's Nike sneakers, which are patterned <laughs> after the Chunky Dunky Ben and Jerry's ice cream. And I'll tell you what, you, that's fun to say. <laughs> it really is. And, um, it's also really fun to look up and look at the pricing of these shoes. Okay. I don't know if you've done this or not. You, you really should. So you can buy you a pair of some used chunky dunky shoes for a mere $395. How used are those? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a great question. Uh, but if you want some new chunky dunkies, you need to pony up and spend about uh, anywhere from 1600 to $2,000. Whoa. You're getting ripped off right here. You've got to be, right? I mean, there's no way. No, you particularly are. I see I see a pair listed for like $1100. So, oh, okay. Well, that I'll makes this all route. The, that makes all wow. the difference. I'm not a I'm not a big sneaker guy. I've got my oldest that's going into middle school that's you know, he's becoming that sneaker guy. Mm. Or wants to in his mind, but these are actually I like these. I like the look of these junky chunky donkeys. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to see if there's maybe it's not a chunky donkey ice cream. Maybe it's a play off of the chunky monkey ice cream and the whole design process is based on the gin and the gin, the gin and dairies, the Ben and Jerry's um logo and stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty interested in these. I'm not gonna buy these. No, um, not at all. And I'm not even gonna ask anyone from Meepletown to buy me these shoes. Because <laughs> I think but that's I'm, excessive. <laughs> but if they did and sent them to you, you wouldn't wear them. You would turn around and sell them for as much as you possibly could. 
I'm sure. Oh, yes, that is absolutely right. That's right. Well, why are you calling me Chunky, Darren? <laughs> Last week you called yourself Chunky, and That's right. I was just I was just riffing off of that. What you was were, the, you were what was far the nickname? Chunky. I, I don't even remember. That was a whole week ago. Chunky Wonder. Chunky Wonder. Chunky Wonder. Chunky yeah. Wonder. That was my yep. nickname in high school. Is where that joke went, and uh, I got you. I still haven't <laughs> edited that episode yet, so I have to go back and. Well, you've got to leave that in now or else this will make absolutely no sense whatsoever. (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. Okay. Well, that makes me hungry for a chunky bar, which, by the way, is just a chocolate chunk, really. This is why they call it the chunky. It's because it's this chunky piece of chocolate with raisins and uh, peanuts in it. And I'm a huge raisin fan, by the way. My favorite cereal is Raisin Bran. I prefer... A good oatmeal raisin cookie over a mm. chocolate chip cookie. I'll I'm say with it. you there, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, right. we're yeah. in the minority, and I think we just lost some no. listeners as a result. But <laughs> I take it back. But but I do. I love raisins. So there we go. See, I love chocolate covered raisins. I love chocolate covered peanuts. I'm not sure how I feel about both of them being in one chunky vehicle. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I once went to a. I, I will end it. I will end my my banter after this. Okay, you can keep going if you want. But I went to a CC's. Uh, what do you CC's frozen yogurt? Maybe sweet uh, CC's. Sweet CC's. There we go. Okay. Went to one of those one time, and they. It's basically like you put this frozen yogurt in a bowl, and then it has a bazillion toppings. You can just fill it up, and then they, you know, they they weigh it, and and that's how you're priced, if I remember right. Yep. Well, this particular one, I don't know if they all have it, but this had chocolate-covered coffee beans. Hmm. And I was like, wow. And you know, going through the math in my head, I thought, if I go buy chocolate-covered coffee beans, that's pretty expensive. So it's actually cheaper for me to get this at Sweet CeCe's. So I loaded up my ice cream with this and ate it, which is the equivalent of probably drinking like 17 cups of coffee is my guess. (laughs) I had the largest headache I've ever had in my life after eating that ice cream. That was, that was a lot, even for a guy like me who, who enjoys a lot of coffee. So instead of an, an instead of an absence of caffeine headache, you had the excess. Yeah. Normally you you drink caffeine if you have a headache and it helps you. I went Completely the opposite direction on this one. <laughs> wow. Well, speaking of excess, we've been playing an excess amount of games here, Dean. At least we have up here in the Meeple Town Midwest. Uh, what have you been playing lately? The Great White North. Um, <laughs> I have been playing, I've been playing not an excess number of games, but I've been playing a decent amount of games. Uh, one such game is a game that we got from Pencil First Games. They sent us a copy of delicious from eduardo broff and steve finn and uh this is a as you can imagine from a company called pencil first game this is a a flip and write game in that in that flip and roll and write category and in this game you are building up your garden and uh you're going to do that by flipping over two cards and these are going to have different uh, items on there they'll either have uh, well, they'll have they'll have vegetables um, on the on the card, and you're also going to draw these little tokens out of a bag and put them onto the tile onto the cards, based on whatever symbols are on that card. So it can either be a tool or it can be a fruit. And 
then you're going to on your sheet. I'm actually going to do a video. Of I've done a video. Of this is so released before the uh, before the podcast release. If you want to see a little bit of how this is played, I, I explain it on there with pictures. Dude, you've got to stop giving away the goods, man. Well, you, like- you know. <laughs> It, it, the explanation is a little bit better, I think, on there. But uh, so you have this sheet that is your plant choice, basically. So you can either choose the uh, one to pick one of these two cards and fill out that on, you know, use the information from that card to fill out your your uh, player board. Or you can choose two of those uh, in the exact order that it's in. Or you can choose, oh, this is not right. I am I am botching this, I think. One or two. Yeah, yeah. Two. <laughs> what am I well, saying? You're the editor. You can edit, you can edit all this right. out. <laughs> you really do need to see this. But you can choose one in the order that it's in, one in the reversed order. So you can pick the top card to put into your bottom part of your player board. You can choose two cards in the same order. Or you can choose two and put them wherever you want, basically. And then you're going to just completely fill out your board that way and score points based on where you're putting those uh, vegetables on the left side of the board. And then you've got fruit that's going to go on the right side of the board. And again, how you put those in your, in your flower beds, your flower beds are, are cool places like you're putting flowers in shoes or you're, you know, you're or planting things in shoes or planting them in a wheelbarrow or a bathtub or whatever. So it's, it's a really cool looking game. Um, and, uh, and that that's kind of the gist of it. I mean, there's a lot more to it. It's actually a pretty thinky game for um, for what would seem to be a pretty simple game. There's a lot of really difficult decisions in this. Um, this is a cool game. The problem with it is I just don't know if I have a place for it in my collection. I have a lot of roll and write games, a lot of flip and write games. And um, I think this one fits in a lot of people's. It's a, a weight of two, but it's it's a thinkier type of game kind of like i don't it's not the same game at all but it gave me similar vibes to uh whatnot cabinet again Mm -hmm. nothing like that game at all but i i think one thing i like about steve finn is when he designs games oftentimes it's you know simpler mechanisms but offer some difficult choices especially in some of um some of these newer games uh, i guess that we've played in meeple town of his and so anyway, I think this is a cool game. The problem is it's just, I don't think I have a place for it in my collection just because I, I the theme doesn't necessarily grab me. Uh, although I do know this theme is very, you know, popular for a lot of people. For me, it's not something that I get super excited about. Um, so yeah, so that is, that's delicious. Have you played this one, Darren? I, I have not. I've seen it around, but I've not, I've not played it. I am curious. How many people did you play this with? Because BGG says it plays from one to a hundred. Mm-hmm. So, I've not played with a hundred people. One and two. Mm, um, gotcha. Yeah, I've played played at one and two, and uh, I don't. There's not much of a difference, um, you know, because you're you're choosing whatever you want from what's out there. Kind of, you know, there's a lot of rolling rights like that. Like, right. You, yeah. You're not vying for getting this thing before somebody else. It's a pretty laid back game in that sense. You know, a solo ish game, uh, yeah. which is solo plays plays just fine. Gotcha. You're just enjoying the experience together. You're not really interacting with one another. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, there, I take that back. There's a little interaction because it's okay. the, if you do this thing before somebody else does, like if you fill in these certain, if I fill in this flower bed before you do, I'm going to get bonus points. Um, if I fill out a certain section, I get this card that gives me a bonus point. So there's, there's some of that, but it's a racing aspect as opposed to, you know, I'm, I'm stealing this from you. Gotcha. What was the most fun part? 
was there was there a fun part well it's the choices of of um how you pick what's out there i don't know how to really explain that without seeing the pictures of of what i'm talking about but but i mentioned you know you have you have a limited amount of actions that you can take with how you choose the the different cards so again if i'm looking at that and i'm like i want to choose um the top card and and play that card that's the one that i want to use for this turn well, you only get to do that a certain amount of times for the entire game. Uh, you can do that four times. And you can do the, I can take the bottom card and put it at the top part of my board, and I can do that three times the entire game. Okay? Um, I can choose two cards and put them in the right order. I can do that three times a game, or I can do two wherever, and I can do that two times a game. So you have to think through, I want to take this action, but if I later on a card comes out where I want it to be, then I don't get to do that. And so you kind of have to balance out how you're taking those cards. The problem with that is, is it's pretty random. And so if I take this, you know, if I take the top card now, who knows if it's going to be something that I need later, if it's going to come out at the bottom. So that that part, it's it's really interesting because you you have to try to balance things out and there's also there's mitigation like there's a wild uh there's a couple of wild tiles that you can put out there wild um tile. that wild tiles um wild spots on your board that help you mitigate that but but again it 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 it's tense but it's also random um so you, there's some gotcha. of that aspect that you just don't have control over how the cards come out so gotcha. yeah anyway i i think there's a big market for this um you know i mentioned uh, garden bow uh it's oof. Before you were on the show, uh, as a game that I thought was really fun, the problem is again, the theme's nothing that excites me enough to like pull it out a lot. But there are a lot of people that love, love, love that theme. Uh, I know those people, and so yeah, I think this this is gonna this is going to appeal to a lot of people. It's just for me, long term, it's not gonna it's not gonna keep a spot. I think. You know, I think one of the neat things, just looking at some of the pictures, I dig the the cards there or, or the score pad whatever it may be where you've got the bathtub or like you said the shoe the different things that you're growing things in mm-hmm. i can see that being clever and cute and uh, attracting some people so i may even find it delicious you might say ah there uh, we go you you like this theme if i remember right no i i do i do it kind of depends on how it's how it's done but uh but yeah i think it's cute i'm you know, I play those kind of things. What would you give it a pass play or a purchase? Well, you know, it's tough. I I gave it a pass because if I'm just talking about myself, um, it is a pass for me because I don't need this. Um, and so uh, I'll play it. You know, if you ask me to play it, I'll play it for sure. But it's, I I had to put it more in that pass category of, I'm not going to get super jazzed to get this one to the table, I think. So, so I give it, I give it a pass, but I, I, it's like Whatnot Cabinet. John, this was one of his, one of John's favorite games of the year was Whatnot Cabinet. I think he would probably absolutely love Delicious too. It's just for me, just just doesn't quite get there. Gotcha. What do you, what have you been playing? No, that's that's Delicious. Sorry, I wanted to mention that again. Delicious by Pencil First Games, and you've been playing something a little bit heavier. Um, this is. Also a, a nature theme that is cute in, in some regards, but also quite vicious in others. I've been playing Ark Nova. <laughs> <laughs> quite Ark, vicious. <laughs> quite vicious. Well, wow. some of the animals are ferocious. They're, okay. they're predators like... <laughs> and, you know, 
And I I've played this, a lot of Ark Nova, and I, that's not a word I would use to describe. So I'm interested to see how you played this game. Maybe oh, some kind of a oh, variant. I would describe it as vicious and delicious. <laughs> um, but if you're unaware, Ark Nova is designed by Matthias Fig. I think that's how you pronounce it, Matthias. If I'm wrong, I apologize. Uh, it plays one of four players and plays in 90 to 150 minutes. And I think we played it longer. And is um, published by Fjörland Spiel and Capstone Games. And if you haven't played Ark Nova... It is a hand management, open drafting, tile placement game where you're building zoo enclosures and trying to put animals in those enclosures, all the while trying to build some relationships with universities and zoos around the world, as well as working towards conservation. It is an all around uh, world building kind of game. Um, there are tons of cards in this game, you know, from really cool types of animals and zoology workers and conservation cards. And they all have tags at the top that tells you like where they're from or what category they may fall into. And in the game, you're trying to collect certain cards depending on the game state and depending on what cards you get will determine what benefits you can reap later on. And I know much has been said about this game, particularly its scoring track. The, the two main scoring tracks around the edge of the board, you know, you've got this appeal track that goes one way around the board and a conservation track that goes around the other way. And so they're designed to cross each other and how far you pass, um, how far your two tracks pass each other <laughs> or not will be your score. And so, but for me though, the main attraction of this game, what really got me was the, the action selection mechanism, that five cards that sits at the bottom of your player board. And you've got these five cards that represent different types of actions you can take. And they sit in these slots from one to five and, depending on what slot they're in determines what power you can take that action. And then once you pull that card, like say I play the card card at five power, all the other cards slide up to the five slot and that card card goes now back down to the one. So I love that action selection with the cards and, and, and it's got this break track, which I find really interesting because that sort of um, this break track is, has this, <laughs> this chunky wooden coffee mug, yeah, <laughs> that's the token that moves up and down the brake track, which if you look at it, just write it. Maybe it looks like a coffee mug, but you can manipulate that and that can um, eventually cause some some scoring rounds to trigger or income rounds. And and if you're the one that that kind of caused the break to happen, then there's some other benefits you can get. Um, just a lot of stuff going on in this game, but, but we found a lot of fun when uh, my wife and I played it uh, the other day. And the first half of the game was kind of slow going, was hard to get the conservation up and running, but I felt like about two thirds of the way in, man, I was just steamrolling. It was so much fun. Mm. Um, you, you, you've played Ark Nova, correct? A lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is on a board game arena. So I've played it okay. physical version. I own this game and I really like it quite a bit. Um, what I'm finding though, there's there's two issues with this game. The first is I am terrible at this game. <laughs> okay, so that's that's fault number one of the game. Okay, of the game. Uh, I, I I have an ongoing game of this with uh, my friend Kelly and Verla, um, who who I mean they routinely just destroy me in this game, and I <laughs> and I mean like I've I've gotten close once I think in in the multiple times I've played this game, and by close I mean within maybe twenty points or something. The the problem I have with it, outside of the fact that I'm terrible, and these kind of go hand in hand, but it does it goes along with with uh, Terra uh, terraforming Mars, mm -hmm. in that it really depends on the cards that you get, because in the current game that I'm playing, um, for example, I, I I know what I need, 
I just can't get the cards. And so what ends up happening is I'm taking these turns of just kind of, they're not filler turns. Like I'm, I'm building enclosures, which I need to do, right? Uh, I'm building, um, or I'm, I'm, uh, getting new cards into my hand. I'm doing all these different things instead of putting cards into my tableau or putting, you know, animals into my zoo because I don't have the cards that I need. I don't have the animals that I need. And, and sometimes for me, what that means is I have a hard time getting a, a money engine in this game. And I think you really do need a good money engine in this game. Otherwise you're going to fall behind and it's, it's difficult. It's difficult. Um, for me to come back in this game, uh, not impossible, I don't think, but for me it is because I, you know, I've just been in situations where I'm like, I can't get a good money engine going. Um, not enough for me to dislike this game. It's just that same issue that I have with terraforming Mars, which is a top 50 game for me. It's just, sometimes the cards don't fall your way and you, and, and, you know, the, the whole thing of the game is you make whatever cards you have in your hand work. And I get that. But sometimes you just you're not going to be able to make it work, and that can be a frustrating experience. So, yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. I've not experienced that necessarily yet. I haven't played it a whole lot, um, but yeah, see, the, the income can be tight, which is one reason why I love. Well, if nothing else, I can manipulate that break track, and here in a round or two, then maybe I can I can get some income, then I can do some things that I, that I want to do. Yeah. Um, there is that timing of how long do I hang on to these cards? I'm trying to uh, play these, these animals from Europe. How long do I wait until I'm able to do that or until I pivot and just scrap that and then move on to these other things that are coming my way? Yeah. Um, That's, that's part again, I'm, I'm not saying I'm this and you're, and you're that for me, I love the tactical, having, you know, knowing when to pivot and knowing when not to, I may stink at it, but those are going to be some of those decisions that I really enjoy. Um, like for instance, in this game, uh, I was, man, I had all kinds of these cards from Europe and I couldn't wait to get some of them down. I was going to score big points, but that was not, the opportunity did not present itself for me to be able to do that. So then switching over to what was there and playing some of the animals from the Americas uh, and, and, and trying to concentrate on some of those that have the water droplet tags at the top, all of a sudden, I'm shifting over into something that would give me points. I love trying to decide um, when to shift, when to pivot, when to cut your losses. And that can be painful, but also find that enjoyable. I don't know what that says about me. but <laughs> Oh, I, I enjoy that too. I, th- I think that's a lot of fun. And don't, I, I know what I said was, was negative. Um, not really. It's, it's not a negative. I don't have negative experiences with the game. Obviously, I wouldn't keep playing it over and over again if I didn't like the right. game. I love the game now. Initially, I gave this an eight when we reviewed this. Mm-hmm. Um, John and I reviewed this years ago when it first came out. And uh, that's probably still in that same area, maybe even a little higher. Um, but it's not, it hasn't moved up into the terraforming Mars or what else is underwater cities. I think those are kind of all in that same category for me. It hasn't moved up in that territory, but I still really, really enjoy the experience of this yeah. game. Yeah, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I, I definitely feel the terraforming Mars vibes with the tags on the card and some of that play. But for me, I think I may like this one more than terraforming Mars because of the the five card action selection, the the open drafting, and the like I said the the, the break track and um, the theme and way you know in a way too you you've got the art style. I know has has taken some some critique. I like some of the consistency in the art style. I like looking at all the animals. Um, 
Yeah. I like the the idea of working towards conservation with universities and other zoos in other countries. The, the theme of that, I think I like more than the the space theme or the terraforming Mars thing. There's something about that that is that is exciting. You know, are, are we releasing animals? Are we, we're going to take a hit um, in some areas on our appeal because we're getting rid of animals, but we're going up in conservation. We're doing some good. I don't know. There's something about that um, back and forth of the theme and the mechanisms and how that works that, that I think is pushing this one up for me. So I'm going to give this one a purchase. I'm a, yeah. I'm a big fan. Yeah. And uh, again, this is your, your pick. So who cares what I have to say, but I will right. also, <laughs> I'll also give this one a purchase. I think it's a, a purchase for people who like this style of game. Uh, do you think if somebody doesn't like a terraforming Mars or underwater cities or games like that, do you think there's a chance they would like this? I think it, in part, it depends on what they don't like about those other two games. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Because this is definitely more than, you know, it's yeah. from a mechanism standpoint, there's there's more here, I feel like, to, to keep up with. But um, but yeah, I, I do feel like if you didn't like Terraforming Mars, but you like some aspects of it, the way the action selection works in this one and the way the scoring works, um, that might tempt you and give you something else you find enjoyable. If you, if what you didn't like about terraforming Mars was the big stack of cards and waiting on certain cards, that's not going to change. That's, that's just on you. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think that's a good, that's a good point. If you, if you like that action selection, um, it really, if you like civilization, new dawn, mm, right. Uh, and didn't like terraforming Mars, there's a chance that like you said, you could very well, like this because that that is that um that i I like in this that you can manipulate that you know some of the cards let you or or some of the special abilities from you know from those cards let you shift cards uh around at times i I like that i think that's cool um so you're not just locked into taking the best ability every time yeah or or just have this huge hand of cards you're trying to figure out what to you know what to do with yep yep so I agree. I agree. That cool is Arc Nova from Capstone Games and Furland Spiel. Excellent. All right, we are shaking things up here uh, in Meeple Town. We, you know, since Darren came on, he's like, I want to flip this show on its head, and I want to do things <laughs> in a crazy way. And so he's got some poll stuff going on, and he's like, We're going to talk about games, and then we're going to do the poll. We're not going to do it the traditional way. Darren's not a traditionalist, and he's gonna, and he's willing to to show it. Not by any means. Um, <laughs> although the poll has been a staple of Meeple Town here for a while, so we are just now bringing it back. We apologize for the delay, but you will see more polls and questions coming up in the near future. And this week's poll slash question was kind of playing off of, of last week's episode. What games, Meeple Town residents, that are for sale or demo at Gen Con are you most excited about? Uh, we, Dean and I talked last week about the games we were most excited about. They're going to be up at Gen Con, which, by the way, is this coming weekend. This coming Thursday through Sunday is Gen Con in Indianapolis. So um, we talked about our games. What games, Meeple Town, are you most excited about at Gen Con? And you, you have shared your responses. You have shared your answers through Discord and through the Guild. I didn't, I didn't see anything on Twitter. I forgot to check. Dean, did you look at... Twitter and see if we have any responses there. I did not. I tried to avoid. Um, I tried to avoid. I think most of our responses these days are coming from the Discord. Discard. Um, Discarded. Dis- Discord. Uh, Discard. We're going to check on the Gen Con answers. It's <laughs> a terrible Irish accent to all you people in Ireland. I'm so sorry. 
please forgive my stupidity. But I tend to avoid, um, I, w- whenever th- these poll questions are posted, I tend to avoid them. Although I could have looked at this one because it wasn't a poll question per se. Well, look at this with me and see if we can't, we can't read some of these off. All right, Maple Town, we are going to read some of your responses. Uh, from the Discord, and Dean, you may be more familiar with some of these names than I am. R.B. Ruba, got to help me out there, um, posted some anticipated games from Spiel, from the Spiel preview. Um, thanks for your input. We'll, we'll maybe get back to those later <laughs> coming up in uh, closer to October. <laughs> we will. I actually got it. I've already got a, a list there. Yeah, that's going to be exciting. I might even talk about one today that's going to be on my list for that. <sighs> anyway, go ahead. All right, so uh, Nequilibrium. Uh, says there's lots of stuff for releasing. Well, we're glad you feel that way, Nick. Um, some of the ones he's excited about are Jerusalem Anno Domini. Is that how we're saying that, Dean? Is that right? By how we're going to say it. That's how the pronunciation YouTube video tells us. Ah, Latin. Where's Liz Anno, Anno Domini. Anno Domini. All right. Um, so. Yeah, he said he's very, he's interested and cautiously optimistic. Well, Nick, we hope that we can put some of your, uh, alleviate some of your fears and hesitations because we're going to be reviewing that here in just a few moments. Um, he also says, Amun Ray. He, le- he loves Knizia. Man, Nick, you're a man after my own heart. You and the good doctor. <laughs> um, Amon Ray, I'm excited about that one as well. I would have that would have made my list if uh, I hadn't already pre-ordered it through GameFound. Uh, I'm sorry, not GameFound, Board Game Bliss. Um, he's also looking forward to oh no, volcano out of way, Nick. Good, good taste. Sail and Tribes of the Wind are some of those he's looking forward to. I yeah, I, I a couple of these. Can I can I mention these before you move on? Sure. Um, so. John and I did a, a Kickstarter preview for Starfighters Rapid Fire. I think that's the mm. same game, uh, if I remember right. Just this uh, two-player dueling type game in space. It was a cool game. I, I like this one. I'm, I'm intrigued to to see the final product of this one. Yeah, he uh, says but, it has some Star Fox vibes. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's exciting. That was some of the early Nintendo games I remember playing in college. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's what they were going for is my, yeah. is my guess. That's cool. Um and then sale, I'm intrigued by. I don't know how to feel about that. That's the uh, that's the two player uh, trick taker. Is that right? Yes, two player trick taking cooperative. Yeah, cooperative. From uh, who was that? Um, bite is that Bite Wing? I think that's Bite Wing Games or 25th Century. It's one of those two. Those two get stuck in my head. I guess we can look it up. Yeah, I don't think that's 25th Century, but I could be wrong about that. I think that's Bite um, Wing Games. There's no way to know. I mean, there's absolutely no way to tell. Um, and then uh, Tribes of the Wind, I'm, I'm intrigued. Uh, it's possible I may have played this by the time this episode releases. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if that if that works out. Uh, this is by All Play. Uh, yep, I was going to say it is All Play. Uh, sale, excuse me. Sale is by All Play. Yeah, I was tribes, just talking about Tribes of the Wind. But. Tribes of the Wind is another one I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Uh, let's see. BJ from Board Game Gumbo says he is looking forward to Inside Job. Um, and that's that. Uh, that's the Cosmos trick-taking game. It's like the crew, but with a traitor mechanic. Mm. also looking forward to Three Ring Circus and Barcelona, the beginning of the B games from Board and Dice. 
Yeah, if all goes well, I will have cha- uh, had a chance to teach BJ Three Ring Circus uh, by the time this episode drops. Who knows if that actually happens? But that's uh, that that could happen potentially, probably, maybe. <laughs> you're so <laughs> you're so committed there. <laughs> and then looking over here at the at the guild, uh, Eric is looking forward to Arborea from Alley Cat Games. I'm not as familiar with the, the ins and outs of this game, but it does look gorgeous. I agree, Eric. I gotta look at that. How do you what is that again? Ar- Arborea. A-R-B-O-R-E-A. Arborea. Kind of has a little bit of a uh, arboretum look to it, but more pink and purple on the on the cover there. Whoa, that is a lot going on. Holy moly. Isn't that something? <laughs> what am I looking at here? <laughs> it's like a tree full of animals beast i don't know nope not excited about that i can tell you that's <laughs> but you get maybe to it's play a fun, as, might be a real fun game but the, the the board is crazy busy if you look at that that is really really something but you get to play as woodland spirits in this shared resource and worker placement euro game oh i don't know if i can get past any <laughs> of the art on this on the box uh, or the bo- or the the board nope <laughs> that's, I'm with, that's terrible i'm sorry it's I'm just doesn't you, work for me i'm with you eric i'm interested i'd, I'd give it a play and then and then pope lando says um he'd rather not be tempted to look at these games because he doesn't want to spend the money uh, i i feel you but the ones that do <laughs> you caved you looked anyway pope what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> but the ones that, that that do tempt him are pimpero which is another windmill game hey they're, they're all over the place and then um, Tabriz and Barcelona. And I can't even pronounce the other one. It's the one about the the, the Silver City game, the Cutnahora. Is that right? Ooh, I don't know what that one is. I'm not sure. From what I've heard, what is that? That's the uh, Pope. Man, you got to put the link on here for me. Make life easy. <laughs> then you don't have to edit out the silence as we look this up. <laughs> well, I can talk about a couple... Barcelona is, I'm seeing that game everywhere. That's got me intrigued. I want to check that out. You're um, seeing it everywhere because they're spending thousands and thousands on advertising. It could be. It could be. And maybe <laughs> because it's a very good game. Uh, maybe. But Tabriz, Tabriz is one that, I don't know if I talked about this on our list, but that is one that could have made my list. It probably, if we did a top 10, it probably would have made my list. That's a Randy Flynn, um, you know, it, it's the designer of Cascadia. Uh, for that one, I'm and I love love Cascadia, and so I'm I'm intrigued by to see what Tabriz is. Not that they're the same game at all, but you know, whenever a designer puts out a really good game, everyone's intrigued by uh, by whatever is going to follow up with that. Right, right. Kind of right. like Elizabeth Hargrave when when she released uh, Mar- Mariposa. Is that what that game's mm-hmm. called? Yeah, Mariposa. You know, there was a a lot of buzz behind that just because it was it was her, and mm-hmm. for good reason. I did not play Mariposa, but. Um, anyway, I'm intrigued by, by Tabriz. Yeah. And I'm with you on the Kutnahora, if I'm pronouncing that right. The city of silver. Uh, this is a smelt precious silver, develop a medieval city and build a beautiful Gothic cathedral. All those things sound interesting to me. It is a city building game from Czech games edition, a little CGE action there. Um, oh, always yeah. look forward to, to their releases this time of year. Last year, um, they dropped like a week before Gen Con, they, they brought out uh, Deal with the Devil to be 
play tested and that was one that was going to be there. And I was very excited to, to play that one. This is another one that I would be, the, the idea behind it sounds interesting. I'm not digging the look of the components. I like the box, not necessarily the, the tiles and the board, um, at least at this juncture, but, um, but the game sounds interesting. This, if I remember right, this is one they say is their heaviest game to release. Yeah, is that right? I've heard that, but at least on BGG right now, and granted, who all you don't know who's played it, but it's only weighted at three point two five, and I feel like CGE has put out some heavier games than that. Well, they put out uh, through the ages, right? I mean, that's, right. So you know, <laughs> so if it's heavier than that, wow, that that's that's something. that's. Uh, I would say that's pretty heavy. But the, yep. but the theme is cool. I don't care about a weight of a game if it's, you know, if it makes sense, you know, if it's not just heavy for heavy sake. And so I'm, I'm intrigued by this. This sounds really cool. Yep, this is neat. Well, thanks, Town. We're glad to hear what you are excited about. We are also excited. And again, if you happen to be in Indy at Gen Con this coming, uh, this upcoming weekend, come, look for me. Um, Big, tall, hairy, bearded guy wearing a Meepo Town t-shirt, probably wearing either a Tigers or a San Diego Padre hat, and um, handing out Meepo Town stickers. So come find me. I'd love to love to meet you, and let's let's chat a little bit. Well, Jaren's excited about... Jaren. Let's call Jaren. you Jaren. Darren is excited about Gen Con. I was combining those two. We, we're kind of jazzed about some other things around here. So let's take a trip to the Meepo Town Jazz Club. Oh, yeah. Boom, 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 boom. There's better music than me playing music in the background with my uh, my bass, my, my mouth bass. I don't know what you call that. Um, it's We've not a bass, it. really. That's I don't know. I don't know what don't, that is. We have to get a proper bumper for this. <laughs> we have the music. I just I gotta okay. I gotta do. Uh, yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll figure this out. Come in with a little. Hey, welcome to the jazz club. <laughs> Cat daddies and mamas. Yeah, well, I should have had you start this off. My voice doesn't <laughs> lend itself to to cat daddies and mamas. <laughs> give, some, give some snaps. Welcome to the jazz club. So I mentioned earlier in the episode that I'm I might mention a game that's going to be releasing at not Gen Con, but at Essen this year. So I thought let me put this in the let me put this in the Meeple Town Jazz Club because I don't really know. I don't know where to put this, okay? This could either be a news item or it could be a jazz club, but I got to tell you, this isn't just news for me. This is something I am absolutely jumping out of my shorts to oh. be able to to play Whoa. this at some point. Family shorts. Yeah, it's, it's that good, that good. Um, this is Imperial Miners. Hmm. Imperial Miners. So this is in the same world as Imperial Settlers. Now it's different though. So in in that world, if if you know, if you've kept up with Meeple Town, my top 10, 15 games, um, I have had Imperial Settlers, Imperial Settlers Empires in the North, 51st State, all those kind of in that same category as games that I love. And and for some ridiculous reason, I own all three of those games and it's really difficult for me to get rid of any of them, even though they're all really, really similar games. It's difficult for me to get rid of that. And then all of a sudden this year, Portal Games is like, hey, Dean, let me throw Imperial Miners right in your face. But mm. it is, it's different. Um, now, this is a game, again, it's in that world. But 
you are uh, in it, by in the world. I mean, it has all these factions. So in the in the game, you get six factions. I'm not seeing them all right now, but it's you know the normal ones: the Japanese, the Romans, the um, Egyptians. I think there's barbarians in there, maybe. And you are playing cards into your tableau. But the difference of this one is one: it's kind of a it's a simultaneous play, so you can play with other people, but you're playing simultaneously. It takes I think it said 45 minutes. And you're playing them down into the mine, so you're playing cards down, down, down uh, from you know from going the surface. Down, down, down. That's right. We're not going down. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. And then, go ahead. Um, and they're triggering cards above that. And so what you're doing is you're not necessarily playing. If if I understand this correctly, I'm not taking my own faction. You're taking your own. I think we're all playing with these different factions, kind of like like a Star Realms, where all the factions exist, but you have access to all of them. I think. Okay. And you um, trigger the cards above that um, as you're playing them out onto the board. So I, I haven't watched any gameplay. There is a gameplay uh, video on YouTube, and they do have the the uh, rule book released on this. They're supposed to be pre-orders, but I've not found out a way to do that. And so I don't I don't know how to do the pre-orders, but there's a, a special like promo that you get for, for pre-ordering this through portalgames.pl. Uh, all that to say, I'm just really, really jazzed about this game. And I don't think I've talked about it on the show before. We haven't uh, talked about it on the news or anything like that. Yep. That's all I got to say. I'm just super pumped about this and I can't wait to play it. It, it'll, it will be mine whenever it releases. <laughs> it will be mine. Oh yes. You, <laughs> do you play any of these games? You don't care. I, I don't, I don't care. Not in the slightest. Uh, no, I've not played any of the Imperial Settlers or Empires of the North. Um, but it doesn't mean that, that I wouldn't. I just I just haven't. Th- this sounds interesting. I mean, uh, the, the idea of playing the cards down, the, the, the mining aspect of it, how that kind of connects with what you're doing um, mechanically sound, sounds interesting. What, what is it specifically about this? Other than that, it's just more in the Imperial Settlers universe. Uh, what is it that's got you so super jazzed that makes you want it and want it bad? Well, I think the thing that I like about <laughs> Imperial Settlers, uh, all of those games, is kind of what you talked about for Ark Nova. You take what mm. you have, and what do I do with the things that I have? And so you're trying to build up this best engine that you can. Um, in the normal game, you're building up production engine, you're building up these action engines, and then a victory point engine. You know, All of that, and the timing is just really cool. I think this game is still going to have that piece of it, even though it's going to play out differently than normal. It's it's almost, it gives me vibes a little bit of uh, in the Hall of the Mountain King, where mm-hmm. the way that you place your cards and how it activates other cards, you know, that cascading element. Mm-hmm. Not that this game is anything like that, but it, it gives me vibes of that cascading element, which I like so much. So I, I don't know, really it's the world. This game might be hot trash. Who knows? <laughs> But, okay. but the fact that it's in that world, it's just got me intrigued because I love those games so much. And yeah. I, I think everybody should love those games, honestly. I, I think if you're in the board gaming hobby, I don't see how you don't love those games. Wow. <laughs> that's a, that's a, 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 a dwarf miner gauntlet thrown down, that's it right. seems. The, the Imperials, you know, like the Empires of the North games, I feel like that would be something I would be interested in because of all the different countries and cultures and and there's something about that that should be exciting to me. But I think by the time I got in the hobby and started looking at that, there felt like there was already so much. You almost kind of feel too far behind. 
uh, sort of like how some people are feeling maybe with the Everdale Far Shore game that's coming out. You know, Far Shore seems to be a game for those that maybe it's too late for you to get into the Everdale world or that seems too daunting. Well, here's a different, maybe more streamlined version of that game to kind of get you into the world. This is a game for you, newcomer. I almost feel like, I wonder if if this with the Imperial Miners doesn't potentially fit that same mold because as I hear you talk about this one, I'm oddly enough more intrigued in this one than I am in the Imperial, I mean, in the um, Empires of the North. So... Yeah, I think it it's a different... I get what you're saying. Uh, one, I think you should try. You haven't played any of those. I haven't played any of those. Not a single one. Okay. Not a flipping We're gonna one. Have, that will be an absolute change next time we get together to play games. You can pick... Out of those three, you can pick any one you want, and okay. I'll, I'll be happy playing them. Okay. Um, but this one is different because the gameplay is very different. It seems like it. Even though you're still kind of building engine-esque things... Uh, it seems different than the comparison to Everdale and Far Shore, but maybe I'm totally wrong. Again, I haven't fully watched the gameplay video of this yet, and I have not watched uh, or read the rule book. So, I, you know, as as more comes out, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna have this anyway. I guess even if I think the gameplay video doesn't look good, I just I know I won't be able to help myself. I can <laughs> gotcha. go ahead and tell I you right understand. now. <laughs> I understand. So, what are you jazzed about? Uh, I am super jazzed about. Jamie Stegmeyer's new game, the sequel to Psy. This is Expeditions coming from Stonemeyer Games. Uh, and again, like I said, designed by the great Jamie Stegmeyer and art by Jakob Rosalski. One to five player game, 60 to 90 minutes. The sequel to Scythe, of course, which I also haven't played. Don't shame me, but I'm still <laughs> very excited about Expeditions because apparently now this takes place after the story of Scythe, which I don't know. But still, apparently after all that, a meteorite has crashed in Siberia and you and your mech and your animal companion are going to check it out. Uh, Expeditions is a competitive game. So everyone's trying to fund their own expeditions, find some treasure and achieve the most glory. Fortune and glory in an alternative 1920s Siberian type world. Fantastic. Uh, there's hand management, there's engine building, there's exploration. I love me some exploration, even a little bit of deck building. And of course, there's mech minis. Huh? Mech minis, Dean. That's yeah. got to have you jazzed. And then plus, apparently it has this creepy aliens, monsters kind of vibe going on with some of the exploration. So... There's something about this as you're moving your your mechs out into various parts and you've got these big tiles you're exploring and you go there and you flip over and there's uh, things that are revealed. Um, I don't know. There's something about that that sounds interesting. Scythe never seemed... I never had the chance to play Scythe. I didn't make myself go out and get it because for what it looked like to me, I dug the art, I dug the mechs and all those types of things. It looked just like the game board and the cards, a little too Euro-y, Euro-y. For, mm -hmm. for what I was hoping it would be, but I love Euros. Um, I'll try it one day, but I just haven't yet. But this one, kind of like what I was just saying, this is a new game in a world that I want to explore. So I am more apt to jump into something new and fresh. And so I'm super jazzed to see what Expeditions will hold. It's it's shipping out this month to a lot of people. You're starting to see some things come up um, of those who have played it and what they think. It's getting a lot of good buzz. Um, I'm hoping mine will arrive sometime here in, in August. I've already pre-ordered it. Um, I'm super excited and jazzed about some expeditions. What do you think about this one? Yep, super jazzed on this. Scythe is one of my favorite games of all time. Mm. Love it quite a bit. I've got, you know, all the 
painted up miniatures and all that stuff. Um, started Rise of Fenris and the people I was playing with, Cough, John, and Jonathan. Um, <laughs> we didn't make it very far. And so <laughs> uh, I need to, to pick that back up and, and get through uh, to play through that. But I love Scythe, love this universe. I'm excited about this. I got real excited when I just looked on here and I was like, wow, it's got a rating of 7.9 on here. But then I started looking at the comments. I was like, did that many people have it? Well, that many people have rated it ones in the counterbalancing of tens. Right. I hate that. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that ruins my jazz vibe, honestly. Mm-hmm. You know, get so jazzed and I see it on here a bunch of ones and a bunch of tens of people who never played the game before. Why would yeah. you do that? It's a jazz kill. It is. It is such a jazz kill. But... But I don't think it's going to matter because I think people are just so pumped about this game anyway. Yep. I think it looks cool. I've seen some of the gameplay video on this. I'm, I am particularly jazzed about this one as well. Yep. I think it'll be up there. When all is said and done, it'll be up there with Scythe. They'll, they'll both exist in, in greatness in their own realms and domains. I think people are going to be really pleased. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. I hope yep. that's the case. So that is Expeditions from Stonemeyer Games. And it's time to close up the Jazz Club and get oh, on to review man. of Jerusalem Anno Domini. Ooh. Grab some bread and wine and a pillow, recline at a table, and get ready for our review of Jerusalem Anno Domini. This is a game that's designed by Carmen Garcia Jimenez. Art is by Enrique Cordenas and Ladraz. Publisher is Devere Games. We talked a lot about Devere Games here recently. Uh, Jerusalem is a one to four player game plays in 90 minutes. It's got some deck building, some hand management, worker placement and set collection among, among others. The setting of the game is that it is 33 AD and Jesus is preparing to eat his last supper with his followers. Each player is representing a community of followers coming from all around Jerusalem, sitting, trying to, well, trying to sit as close as possible to Jesus and the apostles, because the closer we are, the more points we score. Just like in life, <laughs> everyone has their own player board where they're playing cards to, and they're storing followers and storing resources. And the main board has a place where you will deploy apostles to a table where Jesus sits. And it's around this table with Jesus where most of the action and the end game points will take place. There's also five main locations on the board where you can gather resources or take actions, such as the Mahani, uh, which we will call market from here on out. Uh, the desert and mountains and lake and temple. All those are the five different locations where you can take actions. On your turn, the first thing you're going to do is play a card to your board. And everyone has their own starting deck, but all the decks are the same. And each card that you play has location actions and it has follower actions. The location actions at the top of the card let you gather resources from the desert, the mountains, or the lake based on how many followers you have there. So for instance, if you have two followers in the mountains, you're going to receive two bread for your location action. There's also a market action, which lets you exchange money for resources or vice versa. Or you can buy a market card, which is a little more powerful card than what you start with. You can buy a market card and that card goes straight to your hand, which is cool. And then there's a temple action, which lets you pay more money to send out followers to the desert, the mountain, or the lake, which is important because those followers are stored on your game board in the same places as your resources. So in order to be able to store more resources, you have to get out more followers. And... You have to get out more followers so you can have more resources. And you've got to be able to send those followers to the table. So all that brings us to the follower actions. 
their follower actions. There's like maybe 12 icons. I think that's right. If so, that'd be really appropriate. But in the follower actions, <laughs> it is a lot. There's lots of icons here. Uh, but the follower actions let you send your followers to the table with Jesus. Uh, they let you gather extra resources. They let you take additional location actions. They let you listen to parables, etc. Lots of stuff going on there. And now, these player cards that you're playing, it matters how you play them because how you play your cards out on your board and in what order you display them on your player board um, is important because you're trying to line up these location actions in certain ways so you can eventually visit apostles. All right, so all that is part of the first thing you're doing. You're playing a card to your board on your turn. The second thing, if possible, you're visiting an apostle. So to do that, like I just said, you have to have the correct icons lined up on the three cards that you've played on your board. When you do, you score the points on those cards, you'll discard them to their appropriate piles, and place an apostle at the table with Jesus. And the placement of the apostle is important because each apostle is worth so many points. Uh, and so how close you are to those apostles in the Jesus will determine how many points you score. For instance, like Peter's worth six points. If my follower is sitting next to Peter, I'll score six points at the end of the game. If Dean's follower is next in line behind me, who is behind Peter, then Dean will score five points and so on and so forth. So obviously sitting next to Jesus is gonna be worth the most. He's seven points, of course. So the third thing you could do on your turn is purchase a market card if you want and if you can. It's like two money, two denarii for a market card. And then lastly, you're gonna end your turn by refilling your hand up to five if you need to or discarding down to five if you need to. And that's your turn. And all along the way, you're gonna be doing things like collecting parables, which is like set collecting, which will earn you points at the end of the game. Uh, you also have in the three or four player game, some good favor tokens that you can give other players, which in theory, you're doing them a good favor. You give them a token, which gives them a benefit. Um, but that also allows you to score points and add a 33 AD card, a different kind of card, a powerful card. You can add that kind of card to your hand when you take these good favor actions. You can also get scoring by causing the Sanhedrin track to move up on the far side of the board. You've got this crown of thorns token, which is moving up the Sanhedrin track, which you can manipulate and cause that to advance, which is allow you and everyone else to score points. Um, but if you cause it to hit certain spots, you score the most points, everybody else will score half if they're able to score those points at all. And when that Sanhedrin track moves all the way up to the very top, that is when the game ends. That is the crucifixion. That's when the crucifixion happens. So when that happens, game over, man. There are some separate rules for the one to two player games, which we'll discuss as we go throughout the rest of our review. So that is basically how you play Jerusalem and no Anno Domini. Now, whew, that being said, Dean, Nailed let's talk it. about <laughs> <laughs> stuff the landing. Let's talk about some arts and components. What do you think about the art and components? Uh, I like it. Um, I like the Very profound. Like yeah. Put that on the box. Uh, I'm trying to think all most everything. Um, you know, if you put the, if you put the iconography in that, I guess that would be where, where my issue would be, but I don't want to start off with the, I don't want to start off with the negative. Um, I, I think it's beautiful. I love the, I love the art, um, on the box. I love the, I love the art on the um, on the cards. Yeah, I think are really good. The the Jesus tile. I think all of that is is beautiful. Um, th you also have. I'm I'm liking this and also not liking it that some games are doing this. No, no, no. I do. I, I like this. This is not a not like. It's 
because you have the option, the stickers, the stickers on meeples. Mm, right. I am one. If there's stickers in a meeple uh, for the meeples, I will put those on. This one, I spent a long time, long time stickering all of these different meeples and resources, um, which was not a fun experience. But you know what? They didn't have to do that. They could have just put the normal meeples in the box and the resources in the box and not stickered them at all, not giving you the option. And I wouldn't have liked that as much. So I, I really, I don't have a lot of complaints about the components at all, other than again, the iconography and it's. Yeah. yeah before it, we get to that, let me say a few things. You say, you say, yeah. Because I think we both uh, have lots to say about the iconography in a sense. I'm with you. I love the cover art and the, the, the board art, even the art in the rule book. I think it's all beautifully and, and well done. The, the stickers, yeah, they didn't have to, to do that. Uh, I, I very much appreciate the look of the stickers on, on all of this stuff. However, um, like you said, that, that, that did take a few hours and a few blisters, um, but I did enjoy the, the benefits of that. But speaking, and let, let me say this about the art and let that transition us into the iconography. The, the art on the stickers, I mean, I appreciate the stickers, but the art on the stickers didn't necessarily match the rest of the art on the board and the cover and the mm, rule That's book. true. Yeah. Nor did the iconography, all the different icons. And we can talk about part of this just from an, uh, an, an aesthetic standpoint. Uh, it seems like they're going for, you know, kind of a, an icon, sort of like an orthodox icon looking vibe with the different yeah. icons. But it was almost a little too cartoony for me. And again, didn't match the rest of the art in the game. Maybe that doesn't matter. But just from the look of it, um, it seemed inconsistent and was a little, huh, that's interesting. Yep. I don't disagree with that. I think, I don't know for the stickers. I think it's, um, you're right. It is cartoony is the best way to describe that as, as opposed to like the, um, almost realistic uh, look of, of the, the board and stuff, right? The, the board and the, um, and the parable tiles is what I'm, I'm looking at right now. Yes, um, all of that. Yeah. All that seems to be very consistent, but those stickers, I, part of that is, maybe normal. I don't know if that's, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think of other games that have stickers that have that realistic vibe to it. I can't think of any. Well, what I comes of, to mind are a lot of the cartoony things and yeah. Right. And so, so I'm going to thinking of stickers. I'm thinking about my Everdale collection that I have at home with pages and pages of stickers, just waiting for me to apply. Uh, I haven't done that yet, but those stickers do are, are consistent at least with the rest of the art in the game from what I remember, they look like the stuff you see on the cards and everything else. Sure. Yeah. This, this is just, it's just different again, maybe not a huge deal, but, um, um, it's just different. And besides being inconsistent, how did you feel about the, the usefulness of the iconography? Did you find it intuitive? Uh, did you find it problematic? Did you find it helpful? What did you think about the userness, the user interface of the iconography? My first playthrough, I did not find it intuitive. I found it frustrating, actually, <laughs> um, yeah. having to keep going back and looking. And you have these um, these player aid cards that could be very useful, but they're not at all. Mm. This, for me, anyway, it it didn't. I don't. I don't understand why you you complain about this a lot. Uh, not for this game, but whoa, for whoa, other whoa. games. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Call me a you, complainer. <laughs> you always say, and I and I don't disagree with you. 
why not put player aids in the box if it's going to help you out? You know, yep. you know cert- certain games I don't think need it. You know, not every player needs to have a player aid for Raw, for example, that we just reviewed right. not that long ago. This game, you do need, everyone needs a player aid and everyone gets a player aid in this game, but it is not helpful. I don't understand <laughs> why why you wouldn't put the instructions of what you do for each of these different icons. Well, hang on a second. As we're talking about player aids, keep this in mind. Okay, they put in four player aids in five different languages. Yes. For 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 the three four player rules. Okay. And there's two player aids for the one and two player rules in five different languages. There's a stack of like 30 player aids in this game. <laughs> I mean, it's one of the many ways that this game, I'll come back to this, they go above and beyond. But you're <laughs> there's like 30 player aids. However, like you said, like it tell it gives you the icon and it tells you what that icon is. Like, yeah. um, you know, in, invite a follower, you know, send a follower, but doesn't explain like what any of that means. Like you still have to go, go back to the rule book and reference that to make sure you're doing the right thing. That's right. And that's what I'm getting at. Like right. I, I, I know I, I get why publishers do this. You know, you want to, you want to get this game out to as many hands as you can and you want to get this to as many languages and you would ideally, I would say, want to have a multilingual game so that you're not having to create all these different copies of the game. I get that. I, and I think that's fine. And I think this game can do that. I, I think very. I think you can have the icons exactly the way you have. Would I prefer for each card to have it written out what you do? Sure, I would. I would. But a good player aid could fix that. And these are just not good player aids. Like you, like you just said, it says what the action is that means nothing to me at all if I don't know how to take that action. Yeah. Now, it does become more intuitive the more that you play it, like yeah. any game does. You know, yeah. I mean, all games do that. But I just think that that extra step of even having one sentence explaining what you're supposed to do with that action would have been helpful. And it, and it wasn't. So it became a bit of a frustrating experience that first game, uh, how much we had to refer back to the rule book. Right. But again, it gets better. And, and the apostle appreciation powers. One thing I'm not sure if I mentioned the overview, when you move an apostle to uh, the table to sit with Jesus, you get to take an additional action. And so the back of the player aid does explain what those are, but doesn't explain the other 20, the 12 actions that you are normally taking over the course of the game. Yeah. And and then if you're playing the, the one and two player game, there's two more icons that are thrown in there that look very similar and and where I think we're very confusing, especially the first time or two that the both of us played it. Do you want to talk about a little bit of the one and two player rules now, since as long as we're talking about icons? Yeah, we can do that. Um, we can do that. So with the um, two player rules, you're taking out uh, and single player, you're taking out the do a favor action. Um, so which what this does is um, you're handing these uh, pl- these favor tokens to other players in the other game to give those bonuses. In a two-player game, you just take those out completely. Um, you also have some differences in the cards. Some, not all the cards are used, uh, like the the eighty thirty-three cards or the uh, uh, Mahane cards. Those aren't used. Uh, some of those cards are not used in the in the normal game. You're also one of the big key differences is the followers that are sitting around the table. You have color. Uh, you have the the uh, neutral colors. Um, and instead of just kind of filling in the table, you have these 
these meeples that are already out there in that neutral color and you're manipulating those. That's a big part of the two player game and the, and the solo game. Um, it's a huge part of the game because you are, you have the option instead of just going into normally, if you go to place a follower, you'd have to put it in an empty spot and you take the bonus that's there in a two player and a solo game. You can, if you want, replace one of those neutral uh, tokens. I forget what they're called. Uh, whatever the neutral followers are. The friendly followers. Friendly followers. So I can replace one of those meeples with my meeple. And I don't get the bonus in that spot if there is one. But what I do get to do is keep that meeple in my stash. And so later on, if I go to um, place one of those friendly followers, there's a new icon introduced that you can place the friendly followers from your stash. And if you do that, you look at all of those same color friendly followers in in one collective group and you score those and so it becomes a very different game actually Mm -hmm. i would say um because so much of the game is manipulating those different friendly followers that are (laughs) manipulate the friendly followers that Mm -hmm. sounds uh, (laughs) maybe a bit cultish uh (laughs) if you're looking at that thematically but but you are that's exactly what you're doing and i like that aspect of it i think it's cool but it does change the game quite a bit yeah and and there's another uh action there you can take which allow you to uh, not just place one that you've taken, but also just move one. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can just send one to, to a different spot to score those points of that grouping that, that connect orthogonally. And, um, and yeah, both those icons look very similar. And then when you combine that with the, the white apostle appreciation action, when you place, you know, the, the, the apostles have different colors. There's um, a few that are white, a few that are orange and a few that are purple. And when anytime you yep. place one of those different colored apostles, they each have a different appreciation action you can take. And when you place the, the white colored ones, theirs is you get to swap one of your one of your followers at the table with somebody else's follower at the table. So you yep. can just totally like hose somebody out. You can just elbow them out of the way and knock them back to where you were and take their points because, you know, that's what Christians would do. <laughs> and... Uh, but so you take that kind of action and you're playing a two player game where you're sending and you're swapping followers, like all that little bit was very confusing first time through. And if only there was a player aid that made that more clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think there's going to be a lot of people that <laughs> become very frustrated by that for sure. The, yeah, yeah, it's, but again, as you play the game more, it does become more intuitive and it does make a little bit more sense. You know, those, those placing a follower actions, the iconography, once you understand the game, you're like, oh, okay, I get why they did it that way, but it's still, you know, it's still tough. Right, right. And as long as we're talking about some some gameplay stuff now, anyway, anything else in the gameplay you wanted to to talk about or, or mention that you liked or didn't like? Yeah, so one of the one of the big key pieces in this game is not just placing the card to be able to take the action, but also being able to get the apostles out there. Um, and you do that by matching up the different symbols and you have to do that in order, um, and, and get those, you know, the exact way. Now there's ways to, once you've played your cards, there's, there's cards and also abilities in other places that allow you to move out, move your, your cards around in your tableau. So you're not completely locked in, but there's not one, there's not a lot of cards. I think maybe two or something like that. And in a, if we're talking about two player game, it's, yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. There's not very many cards, but then there's also spots on the uh, right. around the the Last Supper um, that you can place to be able to manip- uh, move your cards around to the different areas, which is helpful because there is some times where you just don't have the cards 
that you need to be able to place in order. So if I need a, I'm not even looking at the board right now, but it, let's say that I need the, um, uh, let's see, let's see, I need the go to the temple card and I need a uh, lake card and I need a mountain card or something like that. that. That's not exactly the way they are. But if I need that in that order to be able to get an apostle out and I just don't have those cards in my hand, that that can be tough. And so you need to be able to move those cards around. So I'm glad they have those symbols on there. Although if you don't have great access to get those symbols, it can, it can be a frustrating experience if somebody does just happen to draw the right cards and, and get that right player order. I, I say frustrating. I didn't, that wasn't like a huge frustration of mine because you have three different columns where you're placing cards. You can just use one of those columns as just kind of a dump a dumping ground for placing these cards that don't have any, it's, it's the Isle of Misfit toy column. <laughs> That's what it is. If I don't have a place to put this, I could just put it in that column and, and who cares? Eventually some, some time during the game, I'll probably be able to move those cards around. So it's not a huge frustration, but I, you know, getting more experience in this game is what helps with that. You know, if you're having a hard time of where to place those cards. Right. Yeah. And, and I guess that carries the same kind of tension as any uh, deck building or card drafting game would. You know, we mentioned Ark Nova earlier. Sometimes cards come out and sometimes cards don't. And so what are you going to do now? You know, sometimes you're trying to play those cards to put an apostle out. But the cards that you're getting, uh, all that, uh, all those apostles, that color of apostle is gone. Well, you can still play those cards down that would match that apostle and still score those points. You just don't get to place an apostle or take that appreciation action. And I've yeah. found you can score a lot of points by just continuing to find ways to visit apostles regardless of, of which apostle it is. Um, so the fact that you can still do that, even though the apostles are gone, I thought was very helpful with, uh, with the whole card um, distribution aspect. Yeah. Yeah. Now another another aspect. Uh, let me just throw this out there, kind of briefly. But in the uh, difference in the solo version of this game, you mentioned the the Sanhedrin track. As you're going up the Sanhedrin track, uh, the higher it gets up, there's going to be these scoring tiles that activate. And in a a two player and higher game, you can see what's about to score. So as you're moving up, you're like, okay, I need to go ahead and prep so I've got a lot of resources because resources are going to score. In the solo version of this game, it works very differently. Mm -hmm. It's not positive scoring. It's actually negative things that happen to you as you're moving up that Sanhedrin track. Because um, Barabbas is, is uh, like tearing followers out off of the table, you know, like wiping them from out. From prison. That's right. From prison. <laughs> he is reaching in and taking out, you know, 12 followers and just like, I don't know, eliminating them somehow. He, he he's spreading rumors, sowing seeds of discontent, and causing followers to leave Jesus. Perhaps okay, there we go. So so that's what's happening. Maybe. But it is, but it doesn't affect the uh, the Brabus meeples that you have around the table. It only affects you and then the friendly followers. Um, sometimes that's not bad because you want to clear out some spots for yourself. Right. Sometimes it's real bad because I you know I might have just placed a follower in this location. And now I get wiped out the next turn and you're like, wow, that stinks. Cause I just, you know, spent those actions getting that player in that position so that I could get some points. Uh, by the way, I've only played this solo one time and got just hammered. I mean, I got destroyed, <laughs> destroyed big time in this, but you did not when you played it solo. I did not. I destroyed Barabbas. I there we go. Okay. <laughs> flogged him to a pulp. Apparently uh, it was, <laughs> it was brutal. Um, so I don't know. One of us had to been playing wrong. 
or maybe it's just that swingy and it's deck dependent because in the solo game, Barabbas has his own deck of cards. You're flipping out. He takes his really quick turn and that's it. And then you get to do your thing. Um, the problem is your deck, when you are playing the solo game, you don't have a normal starting color deck. You take the white uh, starting deck and the black starting deck, which you would normally play with in the two player games because they have those friendly follower actions on them. You shuffle those up together and you've got one larger uh, deck that you are starting with. And I think that kind of speaks back to some of the problems you were having with trying to get the right cards to come out. I found it very difficult to, to get the right icons I needed playing solo because yes. you've got more, more cards to go through. You can't, you can't do that. In a three or four player game, man, it's much smoother and quicker to find the cards that you want. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I would agree with that. I, I don't understand why you combine those decks, honestly. Um, I mean, I guess they're the same know. cards, so they're just assuming, hey, but I never shuffled through the cards that I had. Um, in this game, it's kind of weird. It is, it's not a deck builder, but there's elements of getting those cards from the Mahan deck and then the, or Mahane deck and the, uh, the AD33 deck, but you don't keep those in your deck. Once you right. play them, they're done. They're going to be discarded, which I think is totally fine because again, you're not really going through your deck that much anyway. But right. it's it's kind of a weird vibe of sort of deck builder, but but not. Yeah, see, it's listed as deck builder, and and it, it does have that little bit of a deck builder where you're you're buying the cards, or choosing cards, or drawing cards, and they go straight to your hand as opposed to a discard pile. Super cool. So you've got that power, you know, uh, the special cards right away. And then yeah, like you said, they are one time use. Once you've used them, you put them back in their appropriate deck. So that also kind of helps keep that deck thin. You don't have to worry necessarily about getting it too too big like in a three or four player game um so yeah so it's 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 just a different kind of deck builder i think it's very yeah. deck builder like um yeah that's what i would say which i enjoy I, that's one of the that's one of my favorite parts about the game i feel like yeah yeah i agree with that i now let me get a little bit to the to the theme aspect of this. Um, you know, it's this is a game that you're trying to get around the table to be closest to Jesus and the apostles, and in doing so, you are clawing and and punching and doing whatever you can do to get to the top, <laughs> which is, you know, maybe it was thematic. I don't know. It, I I don't know. It doesn't go with the theme of Jesus' teachings. But, you know, maybe there are some people who are like, I'm going to do whatever I can do to get as close to him as I can. Um, but in doing that in this game, it, it can be mean. Uh, right. I think I think that's I think that's a fair thing to say. This can be a mean game because you are you're manipulating other people's meeples to get them out of the way to get closest and try to get the most points. And sometimes that can be a frustrating experience. Yeah, Um it, it was meaner than I thought it was going to be because it does sort of lean into you are jockeying for position at the table. You're swapping people out. You're throwing knees and elbows. And it's, um, you know, it, it's interesting because you're sending followers out to these places to gather resources. And then you have to spend these resources to bring to the table. And you can look at that and say, oh, well, I guess that's your uh, cover charge. You know, it comes sit with Jesus. Um, but you know, reading through the designer diary, trying to, to look at this, because this is Carmen's first game, I believe. And I, I encourage you to go look at the designer diary there on BGG. It's interesting to kind of follow her thought process 
I agree uh, with this because again, the theme was what really drew me into this, but it's also one of the things that I keep wrestling with because like you said, the, the meanness of it, um, typically, you know, it, it, you know, in the game, you're trying to sit around the table and get as close to Jesus as possible. And, but Jesus often taught, you know, things like, you know, you're not supposed to go for the seat of honor. You, you sit at the lowest seat. And then if someone mm-hmm. wants to move you up, then, then so be it. You know, he teaches against some of that. And, but, but I think in her mind, part of this is the fact that the apostles, um, at least in one or two places, are arguing over who's the greatest and wanting those seats of honor by Jesus. And I think she was trying to lean into that humanity of it. The fact that, you know, people naturally want to be the greatest. And so yeah, that's what's going on here. And the fact that Jesus still, these people are human and Jesus still hung with the humans, you know, being divine and human, he, he was still hanging with humans. You know, all people were still welcome to sit at the table. And so if I think about it like that, then maybe I'm okay with it. It still bothers me a little bit that we're rewarding bad behavior with victory right. points, you know, but, you know, m- m- maybe for me, I would have rather seen it something almost like a prodigal's club kind of mechanism where you're trying to give up what you have. You're trying to give up your, your, your seat, um, to, to put others there and, you know, maybe that changes the game in a whole new way. But, but I think in her mind, she's thinking, well, you're bringing the resources to the table to share with everyone, even the rocks. Maybe you can sit on them or cook with them. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I, I think she's trying to say, you know, Jesus was still hanging with the humans despite their, you know, uh, shucking and jiving and trying to get up there close to, uh, it still feels weird. It's a little bit, it's still a little bit of a disconnect for me, but then again, you know, it's a game and sometimes you just have to do things in a game. And it's art. And so sometimes you just have to, you know, art is open to interpretation. So Yeah. It's it's funny, you know, <laughs> if if I throw a barbecue at my house, uh there are gonna be people people that I want there, you know, people that are my my closest friends <laughs> that I've invited to come over. And then there's people that just smell barbecue and they're just like, Hey, what's what's going on over here? I'm gonna get some free barbecue. You <laughs> right, know, so right. you don't really know who's going to be, who's going to be coming to the party. And just because they're coming to what we consider to be, you know, the last supper, um, that's not the way those people would have viewed it. They would have been like, what's going on? You know, I I want to, I want to hear, I want to see from this person and you're right. Uh, so I, I don't disagree with that. It's just, it is funny. If I were to sit down and design a game about Jesus, area control wouldn't be my first thought for (laughs) a mechanism of the game, but, but I think it works. So I'm, I'm ready to move into final thoughts if you are. Let's do it. Yep. All right. I, I enjoy this game. I, I really do. Uh, you know, being in this, in this realm, um, you know, I, I was super thrilled about the, um, about the theme of this one, but also a little skeptical, uh, because again, we, we, we live in this world and I, I think it was handled really well. I, I reading the designer desire, uh, diary, I I'm with you, Darren, um, I'm really glad I did read that and just get her perspective from that and why she came to the conclusions that she came to. There's a lot of cool things throughout the rule book that give a little history, uh, that get a, give a little bit more information. So even if you don't know anything about this theme, um, one, I think you can enjoy the game and not care anything about the theme. But if you want to know more about the theme, you can learn that throughout the rule book. I think is really cool. Uh, I like that we didn't really even mention the the parable tiles that much, but I think that's interesting and it, and it's neat to see the uh the the pictures on there and just kind of recreate those those parables in your mind 
even if you don't know them, there's information for you to, to find those, you know? So I, I've really, I've really enjoyed this, but went into it a little bit skeptical, um, came out pretty positive overall. I'm going to be at a seven at this one, um, somewhere between a seven and a seven and a half, which is, um, this is a, uh, oh, I just had it pulled up on my phone and it went away, but this is, means it's a good game, usually willing to play. It's not quite a very good game. Uh, I like to play probably I'll suggest it never turn down a game. I, I would turn down games uh, at times. It's not for everybody. And I think it can be a frustrating experience with the icons with people. But if you and I are sitting down to play a game, I would be like, yeah, I'll, I'll play this because I really, I, I think it's a fun game. Yeah, cool. All right. Yeah, I'm not not too far off there. I, again, I'm with you. I really appreciate uh, the design. I, I, I love that this is a labor of love for, for Carmen. Um, I think it's very well done. It has a little bit, the way that it takes the different mechanisms like like deck building and set collection and worker placement and, and kind of brings all that together. It has a little bit of that Johnny Pack, Stan Kardonsky kind of vibe where they take these very bold and distinct mechanisms and blend them together in a way that's, that's fun and fluid at least in the three to four player game. I think three to four player is, is very different, much more fluid experience than, than one to two. I probably wouldn't pull this out at one to two, but I will definitely sit down and play it uh, three and four. I like what it does with those, those mechanisms. Uh, again, I, my biggest disconnect I think is the theme, uh, but the theme is what I love and that's what drew me in. And I'm glad that it makes me think about about things, you know, it's how it's bringing up these kind of conversations with us and with others, uh, which I love. I love the little subtle, nice touches like Judas is <laughs> in the game and he's silver because, you know, yes. he's just out for silver. And if you play Judas, you get five coins. But if you're sitting next to Judas, you're going to lose five points or, more, you know, or or four or three or two at the end of the game. So those little nice touches, I think, are funny um, and, and almost kind of tongue in cheek. But there's other parts of it that that are serious, like the Sanhedrin track going up and crucifying Jesus being the end game trigger. You know, it's clever, but it's not like it's not funny. It's right. So I'm not I'm not quite sure how I feel about that, but I'm continuing to think about it. And so I think in that sense, it's a good thing. And so for me, I'm going to give this an eight. I think it's again, looking at the BGG description, eight is very good. I enjoy playing and would suggest I definitely would. I think this game has a chance to go up for me um, because of just of the environment that I can play it in the conversations that it can raise. Because for me, one of the joys of board gaming is playing games with people. And then in talking about it, it goes into deeper, more thinky, more real life conversations about what does that mean to be the greatest? Are we jogging for position? How does that look in other aspects of life? So there's something about that, that this game does that mechanically I'm like, what is going on? Maybe but the conversation that it brings up, I love. So this is going to get an eight for me. Very good. Um, thanks, Carmen. Thank you, Devere. Keep putting out good stuff. Yeah. Yep. Good call. So that is a seven from me. That's an eight from Darren. And that's going to do it for episode 137. We are thankful that you have joined us. If you would like to connect with us through all of our social media outlets, that's at Mapletown Games. And highly recommend connecting with us through our Discord. There's a lot of great conversation going on there. Also a great way to you know get involved in the poll questions and just general gaming conversations and some shenanigans in there as well. Um, also, the Board Game Geek Guild number 3407 is another great way. If you have any questions for us, send those to meepletownmail at gmail.com. And until next time, thanks for coming down to Meepletown. All right, that is... Uh, the chunky wonder out. <laughs> chunky wonder out.